How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for L.A. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard puts it in front. Carter, score! some swagger. Push come to shove, we're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud post-game podcast for the playoff series. Um, The last game of the series because it turns out that the Kings have now won and completed their comeback. They beat the Sharks. They're going to round two. I, I can't believe it. Beside myself. I am. So we're like, what, 45-ish minutes removed or like something like that from the game? I'm still overwhelmed. I have to admit right now that after game four, I made a prediction, a bet sort of, mostly with myself, but I told Diane about it. I said, after game four, if the Kings win in San Jose for game five, they're going to win the series. Which shouldn't seem like a bold, like too bold a prediction, but that still meant they had to win two games, <laughs> including another one in San Jose. But guess who was right? It was me. I, I, despite all of the tweets and stuff from the last few days, I've actually been super confident that they were going to win this series since the end of Game Four. Really, I don't know why. I just was, and they proved me right, so I feel great. I was in such a state of zen this morning, like throughout the day, just like feeling pretty confident about what was going to happen. And then, like, kind of closer to the actual, like, puck drop, I got a little bit nervous. But, I mean, I felt like the Kings had had it in them. No, like, weird, fluky goals this time. Everything just completely legit. The Kings came out... Actually, the Sharks had a really good start. They didn't play nearly, nowhere near as bad as they did in Game 5. And the Kings were a little bit on their heels, but they stuck it out. They didn't play terribly. They didn't play, like, Games 1 and 2. So, the Sharks got on the scoreboard first, but in the second or in the second period is when any scoring happened. Nothing happened in the first period as far as like actual scoring. Um, which might have been a little bit of a momentum killer for the Sharks. But then the Kings give them plenty of opportunities in the second period by taking penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty, with the Sharks already having scored one goal, and then the Kings manage to tie it, but then it's like, all right, let's spend all this time in the box and give them so many chances to go ahead and just take this game. And then they kill off all the penalties, and then they get a go-ahead goal from Andre Kopitar. Of course it was Andre Kopitar, the best person ever. Um, yeah, of course it would be. And of, of course it would be a feed from Justin Williams to Andre Kopitar. Hashtag Justin Williams can get it. Ha- oh my gosh, can he ever. And it was it was just amazing. But yeah, seriously, uh, with all of the penalties that the Kings were getting, uh, the last half of the second period was essentially just a constant uh, penalty kill. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I And of course, as Kings fans, you were totally worried because that's the one thing you're hoping that they don't do. They played a pretty disciplined first period, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, penalty train, they're literally going to give this game away. And they didn't. And that was also the biggest warning going into the series was like, yes, the Kings are the number one possession team. They're a great defensive team, but the Sharks have great special teams. But it turns out that actually on their last, like the Sharks couldn't convert on the 15 power plays, 15 or 16 power plays through those last three games. Great job. Way to prove that you're able to pull it together and come back and do it in a way that's completely dominant. Like, you can't deny that the Kings just played well. Yeah, they played great. And uh, one person, we've already talked about him, but let's talk about him some more, is Andre Kopitar. And he's got a point in every single one of these games. 
Every single one. Only person in the playoffs. You can't deny him. And I was thinking about this, and I tweeted about it as well. Remember, you know, last year when everybody was like, is Andre Kopitar hurt? Did he die? What is happening? And it was like, if he could just please score, because he wasn't. And But this time, it's all Kopitar. He's doing everything. Drew Doughty, too. Props to Drew Doughty as well, who has been uh, phenomenal. Uh, throughout the series. And he was, of course, the one who entered the series with the shoulder injury and people not really knowing how that would affect him, but he played amazing. I I love it. I've just, I'm still overwhelmed. <laughs> Let's, okay, I have to like collect myself for this because we need to talk about these rookies. <laughs> of course we do, because they're awesome. Because they're amazing. And uh, we, the two of us both love Jeff Carter and Mike Richards, who wouldn't? And, you know, when they worked, it was always a sweet Mike Richards pass to Jeff Carter and Jeff Carter scores. But I feel like the new iteration of this is going to be Tanner Pearson passes to Tyler Toffoli and Toffoli scores. And many people have said it, but it looks like they've been playing together for like 20 years with how Pearson will just toss it behind him seemingly like randomly, but it lands perfectly on Toffoli's stick. Yeah, I think actually that, I mean, it's very early, so again, (laughs) I might be like jumping the gun here, but I actually think they could potentially be even better than a Mike Richards-Jeff Carter matchup because they're two guys who have played together a lot of, for a long time, obviously, but actually like in Philadelphia, they didn't spend most of their time on the same line. Like it worked for a long time with the Kings, but now it seems kind of like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, where it seems like every time we see Toffoli and Pearson together, and you know, if you've if you've read anything about what they were doing in Manchester, if you kept up with any of that, they seem to have chemistry right away. It, they just seem to drive play really well together. And not only drive it, they're able to finish and score. And it's been fantastic to watch through this whole series. I am upset that they weren't in it the whole time. Maybe we would not, would not have had to go to seven games if they had been, if Tanner Pearson had been in the whole time and they had played together more. But I'm glad the way that it's worked out because Tanner Pearson has been fantastic fantastic since he came into this series. Tyler Toffoli has been fantastic since he came into the NHL. And um, I am really excited to say that they managed to be better than Tomas Hurdle. I like you, Hurdle, but you know what? Too bad for you. I It was one of those things where you just don't want Hurdle to get that goal, or you don't want like a certain player to get that goal just because of, you know, story's sake or, or what have you. Um, and I'm glad he didn't score. Yeah, Although I'm I was, so I was pleased stoked. to see that... Uh, in the handshake line, him and Brownie gave each other, like, extra little taps, uh, just being like, hey, we're cool. What do you mean? Dustin Brown isn't a complete villain? He didn't murder him? I thought Tomas Hurdle died. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is just a facade, because now he has to move on to a different team to, like, evilly plot against. And But what's funny, though, is if Dustin Brown were to injure, say, Corey Perry, who would be the... Who's the villain? Is this just, like... A oh, it's still movie? Corey Perry. Is no, it, it's still it villain Perry. versus villain? No? Okay. <laughs> I think, I mean, there are plenty of people who would say that they're both trash, but I think if it came down to it, people, like, literally unite. The Kings and Sharks fans unite over their hatred of Corey <laughs> Perry. So I think, honestly, Corey Perry is the worst, and nobody cares when he got speared, and they wouldn't care if he got speared again. But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Let's see Let's see what kind of impact, kind of clashes happen in that series. I'm sure there'll be plenty of them, and I'm sure a number of them will involve Corey Perry. And speaking of Dustin Brown, I am 100% delighted that uh, he was the one who got the first, because there were two, the first empty net goal mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, rub it into the Sharks' faces just a little bit more. 
So nice. And then I like the fact that it wasn't the only empty net goal. Yeah. They managed to get another one. Tanner Pearson, again, those rookies showing up and making things so rough. Um, I liked, after the game, all of the quotes and stuff that were coming out, starting with Pierre Lebrun, who, of course, everybody joked was going to be bad luck for the Kings, and that turned out fine. Um, but anyway, he tweeted right after saying, he's standing near the Kings room, Kings players over the moon as they come off the ice. This building is quiet now, baby, yelled one Kings player. So we don't know who that Kings player is. I really wish I did. Because I want that Kings player to be my best friend. That's correct. I need to know who that person is. (laughs) So way to silence the shark tank, or what was formerly the shark tank and is now the cage. The Kings cage, really, because they crushed it. I love it. I love it so much. That's all I can say right now is that I'm I'm in a perpetual state of disbelief. Um, I'm just shaking my head being like, I can't believe that just happened. I am so delighted. And it, and it wasn't, and you're right, I'm glad that there wasn't a fluky goal. I'm glad that it wasn't a 2-1 game. I'm glad that, you know, uh, there were plenty of chances for the, the Sharks to come back. And they didn't. Everybody just played really well. Like, Jonathan Quick has gotten a lot of flack in the last two seasons, um, excluding maybe the playoffs for last season. But other than that, like during the regular season, he's gotten a lot of flack because his career numbers are average, especially during the regular season. And then, you know, he comes into this playoff series and the Kings all around are terrible, but he like has a you know pretty big share in that. It wasn't just like all the goals were goals that he couldn't see or whatever. He was bad and the rest of the Kings were bad. Everybody was bad. And then he turns it around in this last three games, allows two goals, they win a series, and, you know, he stepped up, all of the uh, other players stepped up, even though Willie Mitchell was hurt, the defense was still, you know, really good. Everybody did what they needed to, and it was awesome. I also have to give props to Mike Richards, who I have given shit this entire season, (laughs) but he played really, really well tonight. He hustled for it. I'm kind of bummed that he didn't get a goal, because I felt like that just would have been perfect, especially to cap off all of the uh, news items about the fact that he could potentially become, and now has become, the only player to be on two teams that have come back from being down 3-0 in a series. And he played really well, and the Kings won, so obviously it doesn't matter how he played, because he was around just to be good luck in this moment. Yeah, and he had actually like a couple of really good chances. Uh, there was a time when I thought for sure he was going to get a shorthanded goal, because that was kind of the way the game was trending at that moment like the king set a bunch of momentum and i was like oh my god is is mike richards gonna score and is he gonna score shorthanded um it didn't happen unfortunately uh but yeah he was noticeable and in a good way uh before there were times in the season when he was noticeable and it was just like shitty because he kept falling over or turning over the puck and then he had become virtually invisible by doing literally nothing so it was nice to see uh a better side of of mike richards And uh, someone else that we kind of give a lot of flack is Jake Muzzin, but I think he played an excellent game. Jake Muzzin was only on the ice for one goal against in this entire series. Jake Muzzin, and how many goals were scored this entire series? Ugh, so many. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Jake Muzzin is magical, apparently. Nat Green wasn't as bad as I feared. No, he he stepped up. I think, I mean... Robin Regeer wasn't uh, bad. Yeah, he was all right. Hey, he was fine. No, he was fine. Everybody was good, I guess. Everybody's fine. But even like Matt Green, in that game too, everybody was terrible. So yeah, he was a minus four and didn't do well, but nobody did well. So 
I think, obviously, good job on him for coming into this game and not being a disaster. But I didn't really expect him to be. I would have been more worried if they had decided to put Jeff Schultz on the ice for whatever reason. Yes, I feel like there's so much more we should talk about, of course. But now it's like, I'm just so hyped up on emotions. How am I ever supposed to think straight? Yeah, no, that's basically it. Like, usually we have a good cadence as to, like, what we need to talk about. But I'm so all over the place by right now because I'm so jazzed. I'm also kind of hammered. So that's like another thing. (laughs) I'm actually not. I did pour myself a drink and then didn't even finish it because I was just so focused on this game and just like hoping that it didn't take a turn for the worst and that I kind of forgot about everything else in my life for a while. Uh, (laughs) And luckily, luckily it paid off, I guess. Partway through the first period, my internet just completely crapped out. I couldn't get a feed, and my roommates were, like, recording dumb stuff on the, the TV, and so I ran to a bar <laughs> and forced them to turn the sound on, and I was like, you don't understand, this is very important, and then proceeded to lose my mind in the corner of this bar, um, to the point where people were like, are you okay, and bought me drinks. So, if anyone wants a free drink, I recommend you do this. Look very distressed over a sporting <laughs> event, and be the only person in the bar doing so. <laughs> all right. So I guess since we're all over the place, maybe we should wrap this up. And then if we think of better things, maybe you could just read our recap because we also write stuff. That's cool. But I do want to say a few things about the Kings or just bring up things that other people have brought up. Nick from Jewels from the Crown brought up the fact that this is now the third season in a row where the Kings during a series have won four games in a row. One of those was an actual regular sweep of the St. Louis Blues the year they won the Stanley Cup. Um, last year, then they kind of reverse swept the Blues. The Blues went up two and then lost four in a row. And then now this, they come back from being down 3-0 with the reverse sweep. Apparently that's just the thing that the Kings can do. I can't believe that reverse sweep actually worked. Yeah, I'm always like terrified when people try to say that kind of thing. Actually, both years. Because even when people started using it for when they were down to nothing um, against the Blues last season, it was like people were saying reverse sweep kind of to be joking and ironic, but then, like, people kind of kept with it, and then they did one four games in a row. So, so, apparently saying reverse sweep about the Kings is not a death knell, which is weird. Adam Gretz tweeted about tonight's game. It says, In the last three years, LA has won the Cup as a number eight seed and overcome a 3 nothing series deficit to advance. At least they're not boring about it. Which is which kind of ties into something I was talking about with Diane earlier today, the fact that the Kings went into the series, everybody who was sort of a casual hockey fan was definitely rooting for the Sharks. So the Kings somehow found a way to come into the series as the favorite to win, I guess, and then went down 3 nothing to somehow make themselves sort of an underdog again. <laughs> because, of course, the Kings are dramatic always, and they love to do things like come from behind. Um, I'm glad that it has worked out. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing is just the myriad of tweets of people being like, I cannot believe I picked the Sharks to win the Stanley Cup. I do it every (laughs) year, and I did it again, and why do I keep doing this? It has to be a rough night, I think, for Canucks fans, who not only did the New York Rangers advance with uh, Alain Mignot as their coach, but... The John Tortorella, apparently there's news that he will be fired tomorrow. And also the LA Kings go down in a series and it looks like they're definitely going to be out and they pull off a comeback all in the same evening. It's a rough time for Vancouver. Poor Vancouver. But the last thing that I wanted to mention, and I think is very true, both seemingly for the players, because this is from a player, and also for fans, is Justin Williams saying post-game, Let's make it a point not to do that again. It was really hard. 
Justin Williams speaking the truth. And he didn't even get the uh, the privilege of drinking through it all. No. Yeah. They couldn't have alcohol. So um, good job, Kings. I'm so excited that they won. And I can't wait for this Kings-Ducks round. Hilariously, I, I think this round is exciting or whatever. Even if it finally really establishes a rivalry, the Kings and Ducks, or I should say, the Ducks will still be the second best rival that the Kings have. And even that's kind of a maybe. Like, how unfortunate. And I think the Kings are definitely already the Ducks' biggest rival. I think it's just because, like, I don't know, I don't care about the Ducks. You know, I guess they're just so, like, insignificant that I'm just like, all right, cool, I guess. Like, let me pat you on the head and send you on your way. But I feel more, like, tension with the Sharks or with the Canucks or, I guess, with the Coyotes still. The Blues. Literally any other Western Conference team. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) But anyway, it should still be fun. So, you know, if you happen to be like us in Southern California, you're really close to seven games, potentially, at most, of playoff hockey between these two teams. And then one of them is going to the Western Conference Final. I hope it's the Kings. I think they can do it. I think they can do it, too. I I believe in them, even though they have yet to win against the Ducks. Yeah, at least not in a, you know, shootout. Yeah, besides the shootout. I think they could do it. It's great. Everybody enjoy the next couple of days and then get back to being, you know, super nervous and curled up and drinking a lot because that's what we all were rooting for was to continue to feel that awful. Congratulations to all of us. Let's cheer and be happy for these next couple of days. It's going to be so much fun. LA is great. The Kings are great. Everybody who was a casual Sharks fan, too bad for you. I'm laughing both on the inside and the outside as well when I get off this podcast. (laughs) We'll probably do this again next year. Yeah, same time next year. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, stay happy. We will talk to you Saturday, because guess what? We're still here. (laughs) We're still going to be talking about stuff, because the Kings are still moving. I love how we're, like, rooting to feel horrible and nervous about the Kings. We're rooting to, like... Uh, write more and record more and, you know, like, do things like this. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. What are you <laughs> Delay doing? Delay my summer. Delay my summer. I know. It's great. I love it. All right, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.